Wednesday. Welcome to the Colby Daniels Podcast presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products, including Kratom, CBD, and Delta 8. I'm a customer at Artisan Botanicals, and I can tell you I have absolutely benefited from their products. If you have any questions whatsoever, don't hesitate to give them a call, 405-458-9699. They have a great staff that is 100% dedicated to helping you live a better life. So don't be afraid to ask any questions. And like I said, I'm, I'm a customer. I was there last week. I, I used the drive-thru. I ordered online. It's very efficient and safe. Plus, we're saving you 15% off when you order online, abotanicalcompany.com. Use the discount code COLBYSHOW to save 15% off your online order. And like I said, there's a drive through so easy, safe, efficient pickup at Artisan Botanicals. All right, jumping straight into today's conversation, we're going to talk a lot of NFL draft. Here is Aaron Davis. Aaron Davis, what's happening today? Not much, just, uh, just hanging out, man. Ready for... Uh... It's pretty train games to start it. So, you know, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, I know we're going to talk draft today, and I'm super stoked to talk draft, but one day closer to uh, to baseball. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. It's Dude, this is kind of a really interesting time, I think, on the sports calendar because we're going to talk a lot of NFL draft, and unfortunately, there's no NFL combine this year. That's always something that gets me excited. Um, and, and look, I think the hardcore football fans like that, but if you're not a hardcore core football fan, you could probably care less about the NFL combine. Um, baseball is underway. Like I, I saw baseball highlights on sports center yesterday, which just kind of made me feel good. Um, you know, we're, we're getting really close to the NCAA tournament for as much as, uh, you know, we've had that conversation about the college basketball regular season. The NCAA tournament is about as good as it gets in sports. And then, you know, I, I've I've made no secret of of how it kind of is a process for me to go from the NFL and college football mentality where every game matters so much to, like, get fully embraced into the NBA season where there are so many games and they don't have near the same urgency, but... I think I'm there. I, I think I've uh, I finally landed in in that pool as well. Uh, let me ask you this: You mentioned the March Madness. Uh, right now, if you had to put money down, are you taking a Big Twelve team to win the championship or the field? Oh. I would probably say the field, um, and mostly because I think the three teams that I like the most right now are probably the three teams everybody likes the most, and it's Baylor. Gonzaga and Michigan and with Baylor having all that time off you know we saw them get beat by Kansas I, I just I, I'm curious how long it'll take them to get back to elite form so if if I feel like there are three teams that I like the best and two of them are non-big 12 teams I think percentage wise I would have to take the field yeah I mean well realistically what we're you're probably looking at Eight Big Twelve teams getting in seven at seven. least seven yeah. right seven yeah so it's uh, I can't do math I'm not going to pretend like I was even close to figuring out the percentage of the uh... <laughs> I don't even... I, th- I thought my fr- my uh, screen froze for a second <laughs> I started like looking at the internet connection uh, well I was like okay seven out of 65 but then I was like I don't even know the 65 teams don't even get in I don't even know how many teams get in 68 technically right? 60 is it 68 they have there? they have that that play-in round that has four games 
and then yeah, you have okay. the first round of the tournament, which I think they actually call those first four games the first round, but we all know that's okay, nonsense. That's, so yeah, that's those are playing games. Yeah, playing games. That's like a, that's like MLB playing game one sixty three. You're not calling that yeah. the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. I I, uh, I tweeted this morning. Can we just call the NCAA tournament what it really is? The Big Twelve versus Big Ten challenge. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hell, what I saw yesterday that Kentucky for the first time since like the '80s uh, aren't are not gonna have a winning record in the SEC regular season. Like even like Billy Gillespie didn't even do that. Even Billy Gillespie never had a losing record in conference. And uh, here we are. Is Kentucky's uh, not not doing too hot, but uh, again, it's yeah. I mean, uh, I, I'm trying to make excuses. There's no excuses for a program like Kentucky to be bad, especially in the SEC. Like yeah. we've seen it for 30 years, they dominate that that conference. Yeah, it's been a weird weird year. I think I saw yesterday um, this. I need to double check this, but I think I saw a tweet that said. The Big 12 and the Big 10 have 15 of the top 25 teams in the country. Well, the Big 12 has seven, right? Yeah, and I think the Big so. 10 is eight, so there you go. It's crazy. Yeah. And then, like, you know, as far as the top 10 teams, like the Big 10 has Michigan, uh, Illinois, Iowa, Ohio State. Big 12 has, what, Baylor, uh, West Virginia. I don't think... Uh, I think some of the other teams that were in the top 10 at one point have kind of dropped down. The Big 12's kind of beaten itself up a little bit as far as yeah. the high-end teams, but, I mean, there's still five other teams ranked from the conference, so, yeah. Pretty fun. There, I mean, I've I actually watched a little bit of uh, the Bedlam games. Like, I watched a little bit of college basketball. It was pretty impressive. I was, I was uh, very shocked with myself <laughs> that I did that. <laughs> I, I, look, I'm shocked that you did that. I mean, I'm not going to act like it was a lot. Yeah. It was yeah. maybe like five to ten minutes of game time, but still. Before we uh, – we're going to talk a lot of NFL draft today, but before we get into that, I have to get your reaction on the J.J. Watt news earlier this week. Uh, I, I don't think any of us had the Arizona Cardinals as one of the favorites to land J.J. Watt. Um, it it makes all the sense in the world – when you consider it's a it's an up and coming team, they have a franchise quarterback that they're happy with. Former teammate and DeAndre Hopkins there, he's going to be opposite Chandler Jones, which I can't wait to see what that pass rush duo looks like together. Uh, I, I I love it. Yeah, I mean, I looked at it this way: the Cardinals. If J.J. Watt is trying to win a Super Bowl, the Cardinals are not one of the best picks, especially when you consider they signed him to a two-year deal, correct? Yeah. So I don't anticipate the Cardinals, especially with the way the NFC is set up right now, to be contending for a Super Bowl within the next two years. And they can make the playoffs next year for sure. I don't even think they're going to win the division, though. I mean, the Rams getting Stafford, the way their defense played last year, they're better than Arizona right now. If Seattle, if Seattle maintains Russell Wilson and keeps him happy and, you know, are able to add an offensive lineman or two, they're still better. Um, San Francisco, there's no reason they shouldn't be better right now or, like, as, you know, at least close. I mean, their team is stacked. They were just in the Super Bowl two years ago. If they're healthy, they're better. They're just – it's not a great situation for them to win a Super Bowl. But I, like just, said, I just don't think there's anybody that's head and shoulders better in the NFC, is there? 
No. Um. I mean, the Bucks probably if they retain. Yeah. If I, they retain all their players, the Bucks. But I think that I think if he would have went to, I think that like Green Bay or Cleveland would have been better situations for him to potentially get to a Super Bowl in the next two years than Arizona. And I, and I don't. I'm not saying that either of those are great possibilities. Green Bay better than Cleveland just because you have to go through Kansas City and the AFC but it's it's it wouldn't have been one of my top picks if he's just trying to win a title but like you said they are up and coming they do have a quarterback in place that you know has proven that he can be successful in the NFL I think the DeAndre Hopkins being there played a little bit of a part in me just being my tinfoil hat it felt like a, a small not like a big but like a small FU to the Texans front <laughs> office to go join DeAndre Hopkins because I absolutely, yeah, I mean, it's it's not like he's a he's not like he's a Southwest guy. Like he's a North, he's a he's a Wisconsin guy, right? So I don't think that like he's afraid to go play in the cold weather or anything like that. It's not like Arizona's Florida or Texas where there's no state income taxes. That's not you know on the table as a motivating factor. I yeah, I I don't know. I'm curious. I really am curious. I would love to read his book. Twenty years, well. Okay, let's not act like it's going to take him 20 years to write a book. I, I'd love to read his autobiography in five years and uh, maybe see the actual reason that he went to Arizona. Um, Ian Rappaport this morning tweeted the details on the two-year deal, $12 million signing bonus, $14.5 million base value in year one, $28 million base over two years, max $31 million, $3 million incentives based on sacks, 10 sacks in 2021 gets him $1 million with a $1 million escalator for 2022. And then 10 more sacks in 2022 gets him a million dollars. So there you go. I mean, he's going to, he's going to, it's payday for JJ Watt without a doubt. Um, Apparently that was, they weren't even the highest offer. Yeah. Apparently there were three teams that had higher offers than him than Arizona. I'm with you. I, I, the Packers to me made all the sense in the world because I think when you look at what they need, their scheme, and how he would fit with them, the whole Wisconsin connection, yeah, uh, you know, sense. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers just in the position to win immediately, um, I, to me, that just made more sense. But I, I think when, when you consider him adding to, to the Cardinals and what they already have, I, I just don't look at that NFC West and, you know, obviously Seattle has nice pieces. Obviously the Rams have nice pieces, but I just don't believe that either one of those is guaranteed head and shoulders better than the Cardinals, like at this very moment. I mean, the Rams have a quarterback no, that's agree. never taken a snap in that uniform. I agree. They're not head and shoulders above them, but it's got to, I mean, I think it's probably the toughest division in football. I mean, it, I think it's pretty... I mean, I'm looking, thinking about the other divisions. It's or it, that or the AFC North, probably. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that or the AFC North. You're right. And so, if Cleveland was up there as one of the finalists, it's not like he's going to a situation. Although Pittsburgh doesn't seem to be trending, uh, yeah, you know, they're in going the best in the direction. direction. Yeah. Um, yeah, Green Bay though makes. I thought Green Bay made the most sense as well, because they're ready to win right now. Yeah. He's going to sh- sign a short-term deal. Go there. I mean, Aaron Rodgers probably has two more years of being at the at an elite level. I would assume. I don't. I say that, but Tom Brady's about to be fifty years old. Yeah, and he's still he's just won a Super Bowl. But yeah, it, go back to Wisconsin. They. I mean, their defense wasn't 
bad last year, especially the front seven. Like you've got you've got Rashawn Gary, you know, kind of popped off last year. Uh, Zadarius Smith, while well, he wasn't as good as he was last, in 2019, but he was still he's still a good pass rusher. It just yeah. made sense, yeah. Kenny Clark, so, Preston is is it Preston Smith on the other side of Zadarius Smith? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there's Smith guys on on the edges, but yeah, I don't know. It was a it was a bizarre choice, which is why I kind of think that. I think he hates the Colts and Titans too much to go join them. Like I think he's too competitive to go join those teams. He, you know, he hated for ten years. Yeah. So like the next best option for him to still stick it to the Texans front office without sticking it to the fans was to go join Arizona. I, I thought there was also a chance for Tampa, just because mm-hmm. I think the whole like Tom Brady thing, uh, it kind of feels like it's somewhat of a like right dream in. team type thing anyway. Like. You know, they, they got all those dudes to come over there with, you know, Antonio Brown joined the group and Leonard Fournette. And, um, yeah, it's just kind of a – I mean, they've they've got a nice collection of guys that, uh, you know, wanted to win together. And I, I just I, – I don't know. I, I thought that uh, there was there was definitely a possibility of it, depending if he wanted to, like, take a pay cut. But I, 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 no. I wouldn't have been surprised if Tampa would have been the choice. Yeah. I mean, he didn't even – Tampa and Kansas City were never even mentioned as potential landing spots yeah. for him, which is it's pretty crazy because those are the two teams that uh, if you're a veteran player that hasn't won a Super Bowl, they're the they were the hot teams to join last year. Yeah, I I didn't really think that he was going to stay in the AFC. I kind of thought it was going to be an NFC team. I didn't know honestly. And you know, you know what pisses me off is the fact that. You know, there were reports that Houston didn't try and trade him because they thought nobody would pay, what was it, the $16 million price tag? Like, nobody's going to be willing to pay that for J.J. Watt. So we're not, why even shop him around? Yeah. And so they just cut him. And I thought it was weird when they just cut him. Like, I was happy for him because I, you know, we, we all know how I feel about the Texans right now. So yeah. good for him to get out. But I was still a little frustrated the fact that they, like, why, how could you not trade J.J. Watt? Like we look at the sack numbers and they went down, but he was still like the I think he was the seventh highest, you know, edge player according to PFF last year. Topped him for sure. So it's not like he was bad. He's still great in the against the run game, and he could still get disrupt on the passing plays. But to not even to be able to trade him for a fit, even if it's a fifth round pick, yeah, I, I like that's better than nothing. I think the way that they looked at this is. They could have traded him for a fifth-round pick, or you can make the argument he's the best player in Texans history, which he probably is. He is, yeah. They did him a solid and said, instead of just sending you somewhere for a fifth-round pick, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna say thank you for everything you've done for us and just release you and let you have your pick of where you want to go. Then why? Like I, he's at the he's at the end, you know. Like it's, but, it, I don't know. But I, then why, why would they say that nobody would buy take him? Like, why would they come out and or like have a report leaked, allow a report to be leaked, saying that they didn't shop him because nobody they didn't think anybody would pay for him? Well, if that's the case, then that's I didn't I didn't hear that. That's crazy. Yeah, no, this is like I've heard this from multiple sources that there were people in that front office that said that thought there's no point in shopping him around because nobody's going to pay for that sixteen million dollar price tag that he has next year. Yeah, I don't know. That's. I mean, it's I, I feel like somebody would have given something. So, right. I mean, but that's right on brand. That's exactly what Houston would do. Yeah. But like, I, I think if if you want to just 
you know, give the guy the opportunity to make the choice of where he wants to go for a guy that's, you know, the greatest player in, in your franchise's history, then just releasing him and letting him kind of do his own thing. It's not a bad way to go. Yeah. I'm happy for him. Happy he got out. Yeah. And get one, there's one more guy to get out. Yeah. If, uh, I, I initially thought like, what if, what if Houston called Arizona and offered Deshaun Watson for Kyler Murray? I don't think there's any, I mean, that would be fun. That would be a very easy transition for me to become a Cardinals fan. <laughs> I don't think Arizona would do it though. Yeah. I don't know. A while but... back is Arizona is probably one of the few teams that wouldn't trade for Deshaun Watson right now. Yeah. They've got their young franchise quarterback that they're building around. Yeah. But you know, when you hear that news immediately, I thought of you and your Texans fandom. And uh, that was the first thought that crossed my mind is what if, what if they switched quarterbacks? Hey, look, I mean, Kyler's, be, Kyler's a Texas guy. Send him back yeah. to Houston. I mean, it would be an upgrade for Arizona. As great as Kyler is, and I I love Kyler, and I've talked about it constantly, how, how good he is, yeah. how much I think, how much talent I think he has. But Deshaun Watson right now would be an upgrade for sure. The, yeah, getting Deshaun yeah. Watson, I think, makes him a Super Bowl contender. But yeah, we, they're still very good with Kyler. Yeah. And Kyler's a little bit younger and definitely is cheaper right now. Yeah, he's just not played in the league as long. He's not as as NFL-polished as Watson is at this point. And we'll see if that happens next year. But, uh, I mean, he's unbelievably talented. So, uh, yeah, the the Cardinals, you know, I I, I said this all of last year. I thought that they were arguably the most fun team in the NFL to watch. And, like, they were in every game. It felt like every game came down to the end. Sometimes they they pulled it off. Sometimes they came up short. Uh, But when you just consider... What Kyler Murray gives you on every single play, uh, much less the fact that they just played all these tight games, I they're they're awesome to watch. I, I hope that uh, I hope that we get a lot of Cardinals games in this market next year. I think we will. I mean, uh, you know, Dallas will be six and ten, and Arizona will be ten and six going down the stretch. So. All right, let's talk NFL draft. Uh, and and I wasn't going to start here, but I think it's a good starting point. As uh, this morning, as right, like literally right before I called you, uh, PFF Draft tweeted out Chris Sims 2021 draft rankings for quarterbacks. Um, this is just kind of shocking to me, so bear with me. So he has Zach Wilson as the number one quarterback in this draft. Trevor Lawrence is number two. Mac Jones, three. Kellen Mond from Texas A&M is four. Justin Fields, five. And then Trey Lance out of North Dakota State is six. And that's that's all the graphic shows is the top six. I, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't understand. Like... I, I would love to see some uh, – even some explanation I'm not going to believe. Like it just doesn't feel like an authentic list that Chris Sims is putting out. The, how, how do you have Kellen Mond above Justin Fields? What, they both, Kellen Mond has been in A&M for a couple years at least, starting full-time. Three – I mean, is it just two years? or He started three years, right? I, yeah, I think, I think it's three. It feels like he's been a starter there forever. Right. It's, yeah, I'm just – Anyways, I'm going to look it up, but 
I have watched Justin Fields play quite a bit. I've watched a good amount of Kellamond. Kellamond, really four. Four, I mean, he yeah. Threw two, yeah, <laughs> three and a half. He threw 220 right. passes in 2017, so really three and a half. But Justin Fields, one, is already proven that he is a mu- he's a much better winner than Kellen Mond is. Like, he's won a lot more games. He got Ohio State to two playoffs. He got him to a national championship game last year. And I, I, are we just putting so much stock into the Big Ten perform- championship game performance and the national championship game performance with Justin Fields and just saying that he's had two bad games? Uh, he sucks. Like, overrated. He can't handle the stage. Like, other than, like, not handling the blitz very well, at this point, I, I really don't see many flaws in Justin Fields' game. Super athletic, uh, great velocity, uh, you know, accurate. Like, I just don't see how you could have him as a fifth quarterback, especially behind Mac Jones. If you would have him behind Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, fine. I think Trevor Lawrence, though, is – I think it's stupid not to have him one. I think he is by far the best quarterback in this draft. And then I think Zach Wilson and Justin Fields, from the highlights that I've seen in Zach Wilson and the games I've watched of Justin Fields, I think they're pretty comparable. I think their skill sets are pretty close to each other. If you want to have them in either order, two or three, that's fine. But to have Justin Fields fifth is just it's absolutely absurd. Well, first, I I like Zach Wilson. But I, I in my mind, at least, I'm not even entertaining the fact that he's better than Justin Fields. So... For me, it is a definitive one and two available in this draft. It's Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. And then I think you talk about Zach Wilson. And and look, there's a lot to like about Zach Wilson. Uh, but it's it's like we're just completely erasing everything we've watched from Justin Fields and against significantly better competition. The football that he's playing, I think, translates more to the NFL than what we see out of Zach Wilson. Uh, you know, I just, to me, I, it's wild. I, I think he's a much safer pick uh, than Zach Wilson is. Zach Wilson, to me, is a, a pretty significant gamble. Again, I like the skill yeah, set, I mean, but Justin Fields, to me, feels much safer as far as him translating to the NFL game than Zach Wilson. And then Kellen Mond, even in the top five, to me, ridiculous, is mind-blowing. Like, we talked a lot a year ago about Jalen Hurts and whether he was like an NFL franchise quarterback and, you know, how his skill set translated to the next game and his passing ability and his ability to make reads and, you know, all that stuff. And I never thought that Jalen Hurts was a franchise quarterback. Uh, now, I could he play quarterback in the NFL? Sure. Um, you know, I'm not saying that Kellen Mond can't play quarterback in the NFL either. I think Kellen Mond to me, has a lot of similarities to Jalen Hurts. Uh, but I don't even think he's as good as Jalen Hurts was. So, you know, does he have the skill set to be able to run a lot of the offenses in, that we're seeing in the NFL today? Yes, I think the skill set's there, but I, I don't think he's as far along as even Jalen Hurts was a year ago. I It just, I, I don't get it. I, I don't either. And, and to, you know, kind of harp on Zach Wilson a little bit more with you, he was very good this year. Like, I, let's the, you can't really beat around the bush about the season he had this year. But he was not good his first two years that he p- was playing quarterback at BYU. He was very average. 2019, he completed 62% of his passes for 2,300 yards, 11 touchdowns, and 9 picks. It's not... 
I mean, I how Justin Fields has two seasons. Uh, we'll call it one and a half because Ohio yeah. State, you know, played half a season this year. But Justin Fields has a lot more production, a lot more opportunities to show that production, or at least playing at that high level, than Zach Wilson has had. Excuse me. And while Justin Fields, yes, he was bad in the Big Ten championship game, and he was he wasn't great in the national championship game. There was a, a game in between those where he was absolutely amazing. He was unbelievable in that semifinal game. So, but we forget about that. I, well, I guess well, Chris Sims and other people forget about it's it. It's funny but. because after that game for like two weeks, all there were mock drafts that had Justin Fields going ahead of Trevor Lawrence as the number one right. overall pick. Remember? Like everybody all of a sudden went from hating Justin Fields after the Big Ten Championship to thinking he was the number one overall pick. And then after the national championship game, we went back to... He's like the third or fourth best quarterback in this draft. Right. And I, okay. So have you heard any like negative, like, excuse me, comments or, you know, like kind of inclination or reports that Justin Fields has a bad attitude? Cause I've seen a lot of stuff talking about Zach Wilson's attitude being a big negative that like comparing him to Johnny Manziel when it comes to attitude, like obviously not the, the partying and the drug aspect, but just kind of like a sense of entitlement and like, not being a great leader. And I have not heard any of that about Justin Fields. So I, that stuff has to matter. Like these dudes, these teams are going to take into consideration. Can they trust this guy? Can this guy be a leader in the NFL? You know, is this 22 year old kid going to come into a locker room and you have the respect of 30 year old veterans? I don't like from what I've read, Zach Wilson is not necessarily a shoe in to be able to do that. Yeah. If he can't do it at BYU, how's he going to do it? If he goes to the, to the jets, or if he goes to the, you know, Eagles at three or whatever. Yeah. I've I've not heard anything negative about Justin Fields from that standpoint. Like, the thing I keep hearing over and over about Justin Fields is, you know, the the first receiver targets and how he, he doesn't go through pr- progressions. Which and Kellen Mond doesn't do that. Kellen Mond, it's not like Kellen Mond's going through his reads. Right. But yeah. He's been there for four years. He's been a four-year starter, and he still doesn't go through his progressions. Yeah, I, it's it's weird, man. I I feel like he he looks a lot like the the same guy. Like I just I I know he was better. Obviously, he did get better, but I, I don't feel like we ever really saw like steps. Like it was a gradual maybe improvement from year one to year four. But we never like saw steps where like you could literally watch from one game to the next, or even one season to the next, and be like. This guy's better. Yeah. I. Which, if you've started for four years in college at a quarterback position and you can't see a discernible difference from your fourth year from your first year, it's probably a, a problem. Like, you know, there needs to be some sense of if we draft this guy early, he's going to get better. And Kellamon hasn't shown that. Uh, here's a quote from a uh, NFC... Let me get his title right. He is a... NFC uh, director of college scouting. I don't know which team. It's anonymous, but here's some here's a quote from him. Someone will grab him in the first. I doubt he gets to the second because once the third quarterback goes after Lawrence and Fields, there will be a run of them. Wilson has character concern. Rich kid who is an entitled brat. Uncle owns JetBlue. Parents are a pain. Not a leader. Selfish, and he's a know-it-all. His pauses are that he's super competitive. Uh, not, it doesn't get scared and won't back down. Extremely confident, very smart. 
and uh, he has a very keen recall but ability. But yeah, and then uh, well, here's a little bit more. Johnny Manziel comp without the drugs. Wilson is fun to watch, but is he, he is he a one year flash in the pan? He's a backyard baller who is fun to watch. So, look, I mean, I don't know if this guy's this you know college scouting director is completely on an island by himself when it comes to these evaluations about his personality, but I mean, if he, if there's one person that thinks it doesn't mean it's possible, there's a lot of guys that don't want to mess with this attitude. Yeah. He is, uh, I I've heard people say he's the real life version of Bo Callahan from the movie draft day. Did you ever see that with Kevin Costner? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I saw it a long time ago, but I can, I, I know who you're talking about. It's, Look, that's going to matter. Yeah. Like, maybe he'll win these dudes, coaches and, uh, you know, GMs over in the interviews with them. But if you're looking for a separating factor to put him third or fourth, I mean, we haven't even brought up Trey Lance yet, who I, I think that does Trey Lance only playing one game this year hurt him, you think? I don't know if it hurts him. Uh, I mean, if you like him, I think you like him. It's, you know, guys like that that play at that level, um, there's always going to be questions, you know, yeah, simply I, because I get, of the level of competition. But if you like him, I, I think you like him regardless. So, yeah, I, I think if you were going to draft Trey Lance, you're going to draft him if he wins a national championship or plays one game. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, yeah, I guess he's played enough and won enough that another season wasn't going to change your opinion because like you said, he plays at North Dakota state. They were probably going to, you know, win a national championship game again this year. So, and, and once you get past Zach Wilson fields and Lawrence, I mean, I think he's probably comfortably the fourth best quarterback in this class. Yeah, he's, he's an interesting one. And, and, uh, next Monday I'm going to have Thor Nystrom on, on to, to, just talk draft in general, and he's uh, really good at at talent evaluation and all that. I've not, I've only probably like you with Trey Lance. I've only seen like YouTube highlight videos. I've oh. I've not ever like actually seen him play in a live game or even watched like film on him from play to play. So you see the like skill set and what he's capable of in highlight videos. But as far as like just playing the quarterback position. I don't know. That's a that's a question mark for me. So that's that's one that, like in doing quarterback rankings, I feel like I have to just kind of asterisk that one because I don't know where to put him. Because I don't, I just don't feel like I can reasonably say that I I feel confident putting him like ahead of Mac Jones or behind Mac Jones or you know I don't I don't have a full story. I feel like on on Trey Lance. So that's that's one that's tough for me, and and I'm interested to get a little feedback on on him but uh yeah this I, I, this is a really interesting quarterback class I think we could absolutely see five go in the first round um you know at the beginning right as the season ended there were some mock drafts that had six quarterbacks going in the first round and the sixth being Kyle Trask it doesn't sound like he's even in that conversation anymore but uh we'll see yeah I, I think that Trask is um and it, if you know, the college football season had ended like at the end of October or like first week of November. I think he would be a first round pick. Yeah. But I, I think that he fell off a little bit too much down the stretch to more. And, and, you know, that's not to say a team won't, you know, reach and grab him at the end of the first round because we've seen, I mean, Lamar Jackson went at the right. end of the first round. Like that was 
we could see Kyle Trask. But Kyle Trask is not, you know, the dynamic athlete that Lamar Jackson is at all. It's not even close. But I think Trask is a decent quarterback. I think I think he could be a, a solid like game manager, probably a backup uh, for you know five to ten years if he stays healthy. But uh, real quick, the Trey Lance uh, evaluation. You're right. I like. Like most people, I've only seen highlights. I think, though, it's pretty clear that he's by far the best runner out of the quarterbacks in this class. Yeah. As good as, uh, you know, Justin Fields is at, at running, I think that Trey Lance is probably a, a little bit of a step above when it comes to his ability to, to run at the quarterback position. Um, let me Let me ask you this, though, because I was thinking about this last night. As I was watching highlights and I was reading scouting reports and kind of just thinking about it, who is can you think of a comp for Trevor Lawrence? Because I look at his frame and I've seen comparisons to, to his like with his the level of athleticism and his frame to Ryan Tannehill, but Ryan Tannehill only played quarterback for two years in college. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence is light years ahead of quarterbacking ability than Ryan Tannehill. Like he's up there. It's like he's like I I don't know like. Andrew Luck level, but he can, I don't know. Like I try to think of a comp for Trevor Lawrence and I have had a really hard time like finding a good comp for a guy who's six, six, like yeah. one of the best deep balls I've ever seen in a college game. I think you, I think you said it. Andrew Luck to me is like not his build or anything like that, but just like his game, I, I think reminds me a lot of Andrew Luck. Like, I think he's just he's sharp. He he has a laser beam for an arm. He's sneaky, athletic. Um, you know he extends plays in a so way that you you don't expect. I think just looking at him. Uh, so I, yeah, it's that's a tough one because I just don't feel like there's a good comp for Trevor Lawrence. But I do see some Andrew Luck there when I when I watch him, just as far as like playing the game. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's a little bit more athletic than Andrew Luck. I think Andrew Luck, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. He's sneaky athletic. Maybe it was last. Maybe it was when we did the draft. Sneaky athletic yeah. guy who you know can't extend plays. And I think that. But I think Trevor Lawrence. We, I mean, was it 2019 that he had that 70 yard touchdown run in one of the playoff games? Yeah. I mean, that's not just he's yeah sneaky he's athletic. He's, got, that's he's legit got some speed. Yeah. 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 He's man. I how how did Chris Sims have him too? I he's one of the he is one of the yeah. best college football quarterbacks ever. Yeah. He I he mean he won a national championship game his freshman he won a national championship his freshman year, went to two more playoffs. I like I just I'm another national championship. If he doesn't run into Joe Burrow having the greatest college season ever by a quarterback, he probably wins two national championships in a row. I, I just I'm dumped like that's yeah. As dumbfounded as I am, equally as dumbfounded he has Justin Fields five behind Kellen Mond as I am he has Trevor Lawrence too. Agreed. The, and this is this is one of the biggest issues I think with sports media, and and I'm sure you've experienced this as well. We all see things differently, and there are certainly situations where I believe something that is completely opposite of what the general public believes. Right? Like maybe my talent evaluation of one guy is completely different from what most people think. And then when you say that, people feel like there's always some sort of like 
agenda for why you're doing that. Not that you actually believe that guy's better, but like people want to say like you're biased toward the team that guy plays for or that player or you're trying to make headlines. And I think this is a perfect example of like, I look at this and and look, maybe Chris Sims believes this. Maybe like he 100% believes that Zach Wilson is the best quarterback in this draft. And maybe he 100% believes that Kellen Mond is ahead of Justin Fields. But it just seems so outlandish to me. The perception is, well, this is obviously like a, you know, a hot take to get attention. And look, we're talking about it right now. It's, I guarantee you, it's going to be talked about for the rest of the week on all the, all big NFL draft platforms. Like it's because it's so outlandish and I, I I just, I have a hard time believing that, that Chris Sims actually thinks that, but maybe, maybe he does, man. I, I don't know. I like, I, I tell people all the time, like if, if I, if I put out something and you're, you're like shocked by it, then it's either sarcasm or like, I, I actually believe it. I'm not, I'm not ever putting something out there just because I think it's going to get reaction. So I don't know. I, not everybody's like that in this business, though. A lot of people are are simply out for eyeballs and clicks, and yeah. I don't know. I I don't even know what the I don't even know what the argument is to have Mac Jones at three. I like Mac Jones, but how can you watch him for one season where he's throwing to a wide open Devontae Smith seventy five percent of the time? I, I we know that. I mean, we know Mac Jones doesn't have the velocity that Justin Fields has. Not even close. Yeah. Mac Jones has a good arm. Justin Fields has an elite level arm. So how can you even watch that and say that he's not just one spot better, but two spots better than Justin Fields? I like Mac Jones. I think he can be, you know, a potential, you know, NFL starter for in the right situation. Yeah. But I I just don't get it, man. I don't get it. I, I don't see the criteria it, it, either you're grading each quarterback on completely different criteria to build these rankings or you're just it's are you biased or you just don't like Justin Fields it's got to be some personal thing that you don't like about Justin Fields i don't know yeah it, I, I would love to just hear like if he were to put out a video explaining why he did all these which maybe there is um I saw this right before we hit record, so I haven't researched it at all. But I, I would probably watch it, and he would get the extra click uh, because I'm. I, I'd be curious to hear the explanation because I don't understand it. But there, there's no explanation he can give that is not going to be completely like tongue in cheek yeah. or like lying between his teeth. Like there's nothing he can say to defend that. Yeah, I, I have. I have. I have looked at a ton of big boards. I have looked at a ton of mock drafts. To have Kellamon at four and Mac Jones at three, he's the only one doing it. Yeah, it's stupid. It's to be different, and it's to get to get uh, attention, and we're giving him attention. I mean, this it's is working. Yeah. This is my biggest issue with you know a lot of the the morning show stuff that is in sports media right now. Like, I don't I don't feel like we genuinely get real takes. I think we get outlandish takes so that we're paying attention and talking about how crazy it is. Yeah. It's, I don't know. I'm, I'm way too annoyed and worked up about Chris Sims being an idiot. Yeah. All right. Let's move on from the quarterback position because I, this is a draft that you, I think you'll probably agree with me. 
I, I don't think there is nearly the same elite level talent in this draft as most most drafts. Like I, I look at this thing and most years I feel like there are between five and ten guys that I just absolutely believe are future, you know, perennial Pro Bowl caliber players. I don't necessarily get that with this draft, but I, I like I look down all the way through seven rounds. And I feel like almost every position is deep, and I don't feel like you have extreme drops in talent level, like from the first to the third, and then the third to the fifth, and then like the fifth to the seventh. You know what I mean? Like I feel like yeah. you can still get good talent level players in the in, on day three, as maybe you're getting on day two and and you know second and third rounds. Yeah, I agree. I think that. Uh the two spots that don't have that top level talent that stand out to me, I, I don't see like, I'll, I don't see either one of the lines having like that elite level top end talent. But like you said, the, it's still they're They're deep enough that you could legitimately get good starting players on the interior later in the draft. Uh, I just like, I mean the best tackle is, is Sewell, right? Yeah. And I mean, he, there's still some questions about him. Like there's still some experience issues. Um, but there's no def- like there's no lineman on the defensive side like there's not a Quentin Williams there's not a elite level edge rusher in this draft so yeah it's the first round i think is going to be a run of a lot of offensive players maybe some uh you know def- defensive backs obviously there's going to be linemen in there because teams desperately need linemen there's a lot of teams that need linemen like Dallas needs linemen right. uh, uh New York needs linemen uh, Seattle needs line. Actually, Seattle was not a first round pick. They traded them all to the Jets. But yeah, I, I think that I like the running backs in this class too. I think that uh, I thought it was interesting that ETN came back for another year because I think he probably could have. I think he could have been the top first round pick last year. I think he could have pushed Clyde Edwards Hilaire out of the first round and been yeah. the running back that went in the first round last I year. Agree and with he, that. he decided to come back. And I don't, I don't know that he goes in the first round this year. Um, I think it'll be a similar situation where it's just going to have to be at the end of the first round with a team that just has a luxury pick and can get a young running back in there like Kansas City did last year. But I still like his game. He did. He definitely didn't do anything last year by coming back that made me feel, you know, less confident in his ability. I, I guess the worst thing he did was just he added more mileage to his body before he got to the NFL that wasn't necessary. Right. Um, Najee Harris is good. I mean, if there's one thing that we could probably do at this point is we could probably trust Alabama running backs going into the NFL and having some success receivers. I mean, there's, yeah, you're right. This is, this is a deep draft. Like it doesn't, it doesn't have those elite level guys outside of the quarterback position for me, but I mean, there was, there's receivers. I, I think actually, I think Kyle Pitts is elite level at the tight end. I think he is like top tier. Oh, abso- talent. Yeah, absolutely. So, I'll throw him in there, but the receivers, like, I don't, is there a big difference between, you know, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, and uh, Jalen Waddell? Yeah, I don't think, like, from one to three there, there's a massive gap. Now, I think those are clearly the best three, and then there's probably a small gap to the next tier, which is, you know, the, the like, Rashad Batemans, and, and that, Moore yeah, that next group of guys. So, I, I think that the top three are on a tier above the rest, but yeah, I don't think that there's like one guy that is just so head and shoulders above everybody else that 
you know, you couldn't afford to to get one of the other guys a little later. You know what I mean? Or or even yeah. like say say you have several positions of need and a receiver is one of them. I don't think that there's a guy like like where with Kyle Pitts, there's nobody even close to him in this draft. I don't think that you could go like say look at Jamar Chase and say there's I, I will I would never be able to forgive myself if I didn't take him here because in the next round, you know, we're we're potentially going to have uh you know, something that that's that doesn't help us or you know what I mean? Yeah. Um by the way, uh, I was watching the Zach Wilson highlights. I don't know who their center is, but if anybody drafts, that dude was just like straight up one arm blocking defensive tackles. Pretty impressive. I, I, James MP, I don't know anything other than just the highlights I watched and I just noticed him. But yeah, uh, that dude was uh, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, but uh, I think that Kyle Pitts. I think he's probably one of the. I think he, I think he might be the best tight end prospect coming into an NFL draft that we've had in a few years. We've had some, like Iowa's produced some good ones. Like Noah Fant is pretty good. Hawkinson good, but like I I love Kyle Pitts. I think yeah. that I think he's going to be an immediate impact for whatever mm-hmm. team is able to draft him. And uh, CBS right now, who I I, I trust. I, I don't trust because it's a mock draft. But CBS is one of the mock drafts that I don't feel like just does stupid stuff just for the sake of being stupid uh, has Kyle Pitts going to Houston at eight after a trade with the Panthers. So. Okay. Um, I look, I'll say this, depending on what's available for the Dallas Cowboys at 10, it, they need a tight it end. might sound crazy because they're so heavy in the skill positions offensively and they need offensive line help and they need help everywhere on the defense uh, to think that you're going to draft another pass catcher. Sounds a little crazy, but I, I think if you're going best player available, it's hard to ignore Kyle Pitts if he's in that spot because, again, I don't think there's a guy at 10, you know, unless like Sewell falls or yeah. maybe like Rashawn Slater um, at the tackle position. There's certainly not a defensive lineman that I feel like is like a Quinn and Williams. No. Uh, so, like, there's there's just not a guy that, I think is just so elite and a guaranteed home run at 10 that, you know, you couldn't just say, you know what, Kyle Pitts is the best guy on the board. Let's just take him and we'll figure out the and rest. Dallas doesn't really, I mean, do they really need an edge rusher? They need interior defensive guys, right? I think they need an edge rusher, but not as much as, inter- I mean, they they need an edge rusher. They need interior defensive line help badly. I think that's, like, people want to talk about the secondary I think they need interior defensive line help more than secondary help. So that's I if 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 all things were equal and you just told me like what has to be addressed first, I would say interior defensive line is their biggest need. Now, also you have to understand like you're evaluating talent in the draft and it's not you're not just saying like this is our biggest need so we're going to take the best player at this position in these spots. So that's why I say if all things are equal that's where you go, but they need they need safety help. They need corner help. Um, you know, the, the linebackers weren't good last year, although, you know, I like the skill set of, like, Jalen Smith and Leighton Vander Esch, but they weren't good a year ago, and they need depth at linebacker anyway. So, yeah. you know, linebacker's well, a position be- you have to address. Um, everywhere on the defensive line. And look, I think offensive line, like, tackle, you have to get another tackle just, just to have another body in there, right? Like, um, 
Tyron Smith and Lyle, Lyle Collins didn't play last year. Tyron Smith has has now reached this point where we have no idea what his availability is going to be. So I think you have I to get a tackle out. just to just to have another body. Uh, and I don't think it's a bad idea to just offensive line in general. If you want to add offensive line bodies, I don't think that's a, a big issue. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, grabbing grabbing Creed Humphrey in the middle of rounds probably wouldn't be a bad play because yeah. he's. I, I think he's probably versatile enough that he can play the center or either guard position. Right. I'm not an offensive line expert by any means, but I think. I mean, he, I think he's got the fra- the body size and the frame and the athletic I think he's ability. smart enough yeah. to do it. Yeah, to do that. I did a. Um, see, um, I told you about that PFF draft simulator. I did. Hmm. I did a couple of those last night uh, before I fell asleep. And in one of them, Creed Humphrey was still on the board in the third round, and I took him. I think. I mean, I think that would be a great pick. I think it'll be a good pickup for any team. Yeah. Um, there's a little concern to me that I. I again, I'm, I'm by no means the offensive line expert, but I, I didn't feel like he improved significantly from year one to year three. I, he definitely had a down year in year two, uh, especially when it was with the expectations where they were at after he had a great freshman year. But I still think he's I, – I think that he probably played himself out of being a first-round pick over the past two years. But I think he's still a good pick if you get him in the second or third round. Yeah, I don't rule out the possibility of him being a first-round pick. But first of all, there's no guarantee that a center is going to be taken in the first round anyway. So, like, yeah, it's a we know yeah. that there's going to be, like, a defensive end taken in the first round. Like, we just yeah. – that we know that's going to happen. So, if you're, like, one of the best two defensive ends, you're a first-round pick. Center's just one of those positions where there's just not a guarantee that a team is going to address that position in round one. And then, secondly, there's a debate, I think, as to who the best center in this draft is. So – I think most draft experts view it as either uh, what's it, Landon Dickerson from Alabama or Creed Humphrey. So, first of all, we don't know if a center is going to be taken. Second of all, if a team decides to go center, there's not a guarantee that he's the number one guy at the top of that board. So, that's what makes it it tough to say that he's for sure going to be a first rounder. But I think it it is a possibility. And you know, again, when you go from that freshman year where he was surrounded by four NFL dudes um, to, you know, a whole new group. And yeah, like it, it, I, it was set up for him to, he was never going to have the same season in my opinion, as he had that first year because the guys around him were, all, we talked about it. All four dudes got drafted. Uh, if you had to put money down right now on the first player from a college in Oklahoma being drafted would you how confident would you be saying that it's not going to be a guy from Oklahoma State or Oklahoma I think it's 50 50 because I would say it's either Zayvon Collins or Tevin Jenkins yeah and Zayvon yeah it was I was basically it was a long-winded way to set up Zayvon Collins being you know drafted before either a Sooner or a Cowboy yeah uh, right now, CBS has a Zayvon Collins going twenty six to Cleveland. Who they need running? They need linebackers. Like that would be a good pick for them. And uh, Tevin Jenkins going twenty nine to Green Bay. Yeah, I think both of those guys go in the twenties. So, you know, it's kind of just a matter of, uh, I guess, who who decides to pull the trigger on what position there. So, but I, I do. I if I had to bet, I would bet that they both are first round picks. Yeah, I like Zayvon Collins a lot. He was uh, 
Hell, I mean, the fact that we we're talking about Tulsa football last year and the reason we're talking about them is because of their linebacker. I mean, yeah, that's a uh, that's fun. Yeah, he's a big dude, too. Well, in today's uh, NFL, to just have a guy that is that versatile in the middle of the field, right? Like it's yeah, that's that's the key to everything in today's NFL. There's you have to have versatility. You have to have guys that can play in different situations and, and aren't liabilities in, you know, first and 10 versus you know, different down and distance. I mean, that's, that's the, that's the recipe that Tampa Bay cooked up. I mean, they have two of the most versatile linebackers yeah. on their defense, yeah. Devin White and uh, Levante David, like those two, I mean, shut, they, I mean, Travis Kelsey had big numbers in the Super Bowl, but like they did a great job of containing Travis Kelsey and, and, you know, beating that offense. And they beat a lot of good offenses down in the playoffs in the NFC. So, yeah, I mean, I agree. You need to have a versatile player in the middle of the field on your defense. And I think Zayvon Collins I think Zayvon Collins would be a great pickup for for a team like Cleveland. But if he's going to go at the end yeah. of the first round, he's going to a team that's good, obviously, or good last year. So Yeah, and, you know, again, I, I, I'll be curious to see how he's used at the next level, but he just I, – I think his versatility, again, the, the athletic ability, the size – uh, the speed. I, I think he can. He'll he'll be an asset wherever he lands because I think he can do different things, and and we'll see how ultimately he's utilized. But I think Tevin Jenkins is probably the number four tackle in this draft. I I, I think that the top three are pretty unanimous across the board with with Sewell, um, and then Rashawn Slater and Christian Darrisaw. And then I think most people see Tevin Jenkins as the fourth guy. There there might be some debate as to whether or not there's a guy like a, a you know a Jalen Mayfield or an Alex Leatherwood or the the North North Dakota State kid, but um, I I think Jenkins is fourth and I think he's in the twenties. Yeah, I, I would uh I would agree with that there was another guy that uh, CBS had in there the uh, Elijah Vera Tucker. Oh yeah, of USC. Yeah, they have him going fourteen, but. I see the the thing with him is I I think a lot of people he can play guard or tackle and I I don't think there's a guarantee as to you know what he's going to be at the next level so um he I don't know some people view him as guard some people view him as tackle some people just kind of view him as like offensive lineman in general mm-hmm. but I like him a lot too I I think he's and again I think you're getting a versatile guy that in today's NFL can play tackle if you have, you know, can play guard. If you have an injury, you can slide him out to tackle. Like it's versatility versatility is key. So yeah, definitely. I think he's, uh, if you just go offensive lineman in general, I think he's extremely valuable. So I think he's a first round pick also. Yeah. It's going to be, I, I'm excited for this draft because I mean, like we, like we said a couple of times already, it's, I think you, we kind of know. Well, hell, I don't. I don't even know how the. I know where the pick one's going. But and after, after that, that yeah. who knows? Like it could be. I think that we're probably going to get a big run of quarterbacks very early in this draft. Um, there's some teams like Philadelphia could trade up. Uh, Miami could easily. My, like, I I don't see many reasons that Miami doesn't trade out of three. I just. I don't, I don't see a guy at three that's going to be a big difference maker to say that, hey, we shouldn't move back to like seven or eight and get more draft picks. 
So I, I fully expect somebody to trade in three and get a quarterback. I've seen Philly in there. Um, maybe Atlanta moves up two, three from four if they, you know, have a third. You know, they really love Justin Fields or Zach Wilson. Yeah. Um, if Miami Detroit's is if Miami seven. is sold on Tua, then I'm with you. I think the move is to move the the move is to trade down if you can get some extra picks, and if you stay in the top ten. I, I think it's either Sewell or Slater at tackle, or you could go Chase or Devontae yeah. Smith or Waddle at receiver. So, yeah, there's like five guys that I think all make a lot of sense for Miami, and you don't have to pull the trigger on any of them at three. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, if you really are dead set on getting a tackle, you might miss out on Sewell, but like you said, there's still – you know, Slater's there and like if there isn't a huge draw. I don't think there's a huge drop off between Sewell and Slater and, you know, those couple tackles that are offensive linemen that are behind them. So, yeah, I, Miami, I can't see a scenario where Miami stays at three, even if they're not happy with Tua. I can't I, I just don't see a scenario where they're taking a quarterback at three. I, I think for them, it's either they get Tua, it's either Tua or a Watson, I, I would assume. Yeah, for them, that's maybe. true. Yeah, so. Trading back. Um, now, I, how do you feel about the uh, the Seattle the Russell Wilson rumors? Do you think that do you think there's a chance he gets traded? And if so, I mean, could they move into three? I mean, I if Miami's willing to take Deshaun Watson, I don't know why they wouldn't take Russell Wilson for Tua. Well, I mean, Russell Wilson has some say here, right? He does. Okay. So, I think so, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Miami's not on his list. Yeah, Miami's not on his list. Um, I think there's something there. I, I To ignore the fact that, like, he gave a list of teams that he would be willing to go to, I think is crazy. Like, we play up a lot of these things in the offseason every year with every sport about every guy that may be unhappy or, you know, pending free agents. And we all kind of, like, do the – projection thing of where they could end up. But for Russell Wilson to even have a list of teams that he would be willing to consider says that he's at least thought about it thought and about it's crossed it, yeah. his mind. So, I mean, to get to that point and, and look, to also say that publicly, like there are things that cross all of our minds that maybe we don't ever like speak to other people, but to, to like not only the fact that it's crossed his mind, but, but to the point that he felt like he wanted to talk about it and to speak it, says that there is some smoke there, uh, you know. So uh, I, I don't know that it's a guarantee that he leaves, but look, I, I asked this question a week ago. When Odd Shark came out with odds of where Russell Wilson was going to play next season, like I immediately asked the question, when it gets to the point that somebody is putting odds on a guy going to a new team, how many times does he go back to the original team? Yeah. It feels like the most passive aggressive like trade demand ever. Yeah. For him to be like, you know, I, I'd be happy to work it out here, but here's a list of my teams that I want to go to. But no, if you want to work it out, like I'm fine. Like, you know, I just yeah. want some help. I just want to be better protected. But here's my five teams that I would like to go to if I were to be traded. It it's it, I don't know, it feels like the most Russell Wilson way to handle like being upset that like he doesn't want to be a dick, but he also just yeah wants to be a dick. Well, remember back when, even when they were like Super Bowl contenders, there was 
always the conversation about like how well he got along with teammates and I don't know. There's always, I felt like been some friction there. Russell Wilson's just such a nice guy or portrays such a nice guy uh, attitude and, and, you know, team type mentality to us every time he's in front of a camera that I don't think that anybody has ever really bought too much into a lot of the comments that have been made. But I mean, it doesn't to me feel like this is a new thing. I think we've kind of heard rumors for a while that there was always some friction with Russell Wilson, whether it was teammates or the front office or the organization in general. Yeah. And I like, I'm, I like, I'm trying to rack my brain on where he could go to get Seattle up in that top end of the first round to take one of those quarterbacks. And I just, Maybe the I, I okay, his teams were Chicago, Dallas, the Raiders. I'm trying to remember off the, the Raiders. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. There was one more, Saints. right? I think it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It was those four teams. You're not getting in the top five with any of those four teams. So. The highest would be what the Cowboys at ten. Yeah, and Seattle has. Not like they could potentially, you know, send their first round with Russell Wilson to get a higher first round this year. Yeah, I mean, moving into 10, if you're Seattle, you're just, you're going to have to throw in the towel and say, we're starting a, like a nobody. We're, start, we're we're calling Matt Flynn back and bringing him back to be a starter for a year. Because yeah. you're just, I mean... Either that or you're just going to have to settle for like a Kyle Trask or a um, Mac Jones or Chris Sims, Sky, Kellen Mond. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting though. I'm there's no, there's no way you would say no to Dallas bringing him in. Right. I mean, it depends what you're giving up, Uh, but I'm, I'm, I would love Russell Wilson for the Cowboys. You would, you would take him over Dak, right? I, I mean, I'm a big Dak guy. Yes. But yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't think there's any yeah. argument to not take Russell Wilson over Dak. Again, it depends what you're giving up uh, to get him. But yeah, I mean, if, if all things are equal, if you just give me the choice straight up, yeah, Russell Wilson over Dak. Two, two I mean, first. Deshaun Watson over Dak, right? Like, if you're just straight oh, up yeah. given the choice. But, like, if, it, if one of those guys costs you, like, Dak Prescott and the number 10 pick... And like CD Lamb, for example, and I'm just throwing in a, a hypothetical out there, then it's no, that's no. So, you know, cost is dependent. But yes, I think just evaluating those guys, I would rather have both of them over Dak. And I, I, I'm one of the people that believes Dak is a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. Dak and two firsts, including this year, for Russell in like two seconds. Oh. I think I'd probably do that. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it. There's not like, there's not that top, top in top, like elite level talent in this draft. So, right. giving up the ten pick this year is probably easier to swallow than maybe it would have been like last year. I think last year giving up the ten pick would have been tough for yeah. a lot of teams. Well, and for a team that's built to win now, I mean, Russell Wilson is at at his peak too. Yeah. So, I right. mean, he comes in and. 
you either win or you don't, right? Like it's that they, they, yeah. they are they are positioned right now when you look at their best players and where those guys are in their careers and contracts and everything, they're positioned to make a run immediately. That's why last year was such a disappointment because same situation, right? Like all the all the key players are are in their prime and it's either going to work or it's not, but like this group either has to show that they are going to contend or maybe you have to start looking in a different direction. It, and it's got to hurt even worse to know that that division was so bad last so year. Bad, yeah. And just like, yeah, you're right. Because there were a lot of people that had Dallas in the Super Bowl or like at least had them, uh, as one of the top tier teams, in the NFC last year, like pen, like not even pencil, just permanent marker in to win that NFC yeah. East win 11 to 12 games. And it just, yeah, it didn't come together. And then obviously Dak getting hurt was a huge blow, but it's not like up to that point they were playing amazing. They were, they were just dude, putting they were up big numbers. so bad before that. Like, I, yeah. I, I, I thought it was funny how many people, like, at that point were like, well, the season is over. And it, it, what were right. you watching? The offense had been terrible to that point until they got to the fourth quarter of every game and teams went into prevent mode. And then they would they would get like 300 yards of offense in the final 15 minutes. The defense was atrocious from day one, and somehow uh, got better at the end of the season. Um, and I say better just simply from the standpoint that for the first half of the year they were on pace to be the worst defense in NFL history. So, yeah, uh, I mean the only the only thing that like the biggest thing that was hurt when Dak got injured was just the fact that it took away any chance of them like actually turning the season around. Yeah. But yeah, they weren't. They were, they were not, they just put it, like you said, they put up big numbers Yeah. Uh, up until he got hurt. But yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know. That would be interesting. I don't, Russell Wilson to the Saints grosses me out, but that would be just, no. Uh, it's a perfect fit me. though. Yeah. They need, they're going to need a quarterback. I, I cannot imagine that they, you know, are sitting at their office right now, looking at their roster and saying, we want to start Jameis Winston next year. Yeah, I, I, Sean Payton and and Russell Wilson, I think would love each other too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Russell Wilson reminds me a lot of Drew Brees. I think they're kind of right. cut from the same cloth. Yeah. Um. Did you see last week? I think it was Friday. Maybe maybe it was uh, maybe it was the beginning of this week. I can't remember exactly, but Tylen Wallace ran a four three nine. Okay, well, I did see that. Uh, I'm a little skeptical. Um, especially if it was like hand timed, cause you know, we're a little gracious on the hand time, especially if it was hand timed by, you know, the OSU trainers or, you know, coaches or someone. This was in Frisco at okay. it was a, like a camp or something like that. Yeah. At a, at a pro day. Uh, and Jeremy Fowler from ESPN was the one reporting it. I mean, that's nice. I mean, that's, that's top level speed. From a guy that, uh, he always seemed, I mean, he was obviously like very fast, but I never looked at him and said that that guy's four, three fast. So I, I know, right? Like that was my biggest thing with Tylen Wallace. And I think when we've kind of monitored where he fit in this receiver class, and I said this to you like a month ago, not saying that Tylen Wallace isn't more skilled or as good a football player as a lot of these other guys that are, are going to be drafted ahead of him. But I think like from a, you know, combine standpoint, from a, a size 
speed, you know, physical standpoint, I, I, I thought that he probably took a backseat to a lot of the, the elite guys in this class. If Tylen Wallace is legit 4-3-9, sub 4-4, I think immediately you start having the conversation about him as a late first-round pick. Now, again, this receiver class is loaded, and I don't think he will go in the first round, but I think his draft stock flies up if it's a 4-3-9. Yeah, this, if it's legitimate, it kind of, it raises a couple of questions for me. Really one question, but you can look at it from two different sides. If he's got that speed, then that means that he was able to dominate and be as good as he was at Oklahoma state without ever like going into six gear and, and like going full throttle. Or I could look at it from the other side and say, well, why didn't he ever do it? Like, did he choose not to just, does he not play as hard as he can every snap? Because you're, because it, you know, you're right. Like we've seen a lot of four, three guys. We've seen enough yeah. in 2020. We've seen enough four, three speed receivers and players that you could tell when a guy's got elite level speed and we, we never saw that with Tylen Wallace. So was it just that he didn't need to, and he was still that good or that he chose not to. And I think those are, I think that's an interesting way that I would look at it is from, if it's there, if it's legit, yeah. like there's some mental aspect of why I never thought he was that fast. Tell me if you agree with this. My perception always was I it never he never like struck me as a, a super fast guy in terms of route running, but I always felt like when he did get the ball in his if he got the ball in his hands in a situation where he could run with the ball, I always felt like I was at that point a little bit shocked with how fast he was. Yeah. Like I, he yeah. always seemed faster to me than expected when he had the ball in his hands running versus like just running a route. Yeah, maybe maybe the route running is the issue. Maybe he's just uh, he doesn't run his routes as crisp as he needs to to be able. You know, maybe he needs to slow himself down to run these routes. I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah, I I you know I've said this for years. I, I think in terms of just being one of those guys that tracks the ball, which he's, yeah. he's he's elite. He's he's among the best I've ever seen do it, and. We always take it for granted because that's a skill that every receiver should just inherently have, and it shouldn't be something that stands out because that's what your primary job is. But it's always amazing to me how many guys just aren't great at that. Like they're just they don't they don't track the ball well in the air, and they don't position their bodies and uh, all of that to make the catch the way that he does in the air. So. I mean, it's a skill for sure, yeah. because especially in the NFL, I mean, the windows are so tight that you're going to have to adjust to the balls way more often than you would in college. Right. I mean, that was because, something that I felt like, you know, going back to uh, Larry Fitzgerald's days at Pitt, like I always felt like he was that guy as well. Like you, you just, you saw it all the time yeah. at Pittsburgh. He just, he, his ability to track the football in the air and put himself uh, physically in position enough to make the catches like it's second to none. I I, I thought Calvin Johnson was an, another guy that stood out to me uh, with that ability. And, you know, it's kind of uh, not fair to Tyler Wallace to talk about him and his <laughs> ball tracking ability and then immediately throw out Calvin Johnson, yeah. and Larry Fitzgerald. But yeah, it, it, I think that goes to show though. It's just how, 
it's not a skill that stands out with a lot of guys in college. So if you, if it's, you know, clearly evident that you have that ability, then that's a big plus if you're a receiver going into the draft. Yeah. Um, let uh, let me get your thoughts here. The, you mentioned the running back position a little bit ago, and we talked about Etienne briefly. Um, so the guy I'm going to have on the show on Monday, uh, Thor Nystrom, has Ramondre Stevenson in his top five running backs. Um, I mean, I love I love Ramondre Stevenson. I love the way he runs. He does. He doesn't see with his running style. He doesn't seem like a guy that is going to have a long shelf life in the NFL, just because he he's so physical and he and he is a, he does have a big body and he's big frame, but he's not Derrick Henry size. So that does concern me a little bit. But if you're a good team and you just need a running back to you know fill that final piece or kind of be a two headed monster with another guy that's already there, I. Yeah, I mean, I like I like Ramondre Stevenson. I think I, we've seen enough out of him from two years uh, to know that he's a very good running back. We saw it this year. Their offense completely changed when he came back. I mean, he was an absolute difference maker in that offense when he got back on the field this year. How crazy is it that most likely you're going to see Ramondre Stevenson drafted ahead of Chuba Hubbard? Would you have ever guessed that was going to be the case? No, because I mean, eight months he, ago. If, if Chuba would have came out last year, it was hey here Etienne is the first running back taken. Yeah, I I mean, am I wrong? I mean, I think that those two guys were probably gonna. I mean, Edwards Alaire would have been up there, especially if he played the if he still played the way he did down the stretch for LSU. But yeah, yeah, I mean, Hubbard would have worse. Been a, uh, I think probably a second round pick. I mean, I, I remember yeah. uh, like he was in that conversation with, like, J.K. Dobbins and Jonathan Taylor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Who, I mean, Jonathan Taylor was really great down the stretch this year. But, yeah, I. It, it's funny, though, because going into the last season, if you would have asked me which running back on the OU roster is going to be the guy, like, the NFL draft pick, like, that goes high, and he still might be, but I would have... Eh, actually, I'm talking myself out of it as I'm going... I was going to say Kennedy Brooks because I lo- like I think he has great ball care, like vision, but I just I don't know that he has that elite level athleticism or like I don't I don't know if his athleticism yeah. is quite there to be a top level draft pick. But it's it's kind of like Tylen Wallace, right? Like I, Kennedy Brooks and Tylen Wallace to me are kind of in that same camp where like they're great football players and incredibly productive, but like in terms of just athletic ability, size, speed, strength, like that sort of thing, like. Yeah. Nothing about them really jumps off the page, but all they do is just make plays and, and you know, every week when they're on the field, play good football. Yeah, I, I always like to compare, like, the running style. Kennedy Brooks always reminded me of Le'Veon Bell. I'm not saying he's good as Le'Veon Bell, obviously, but just the yeah. the way that he runs, so patient and, like, always, you know, finds the right hole and, like, just quick cuts in the, you know, in the hole, but... I think a lot of people forget that Le'Veon Bell in college was not the same type of running back that he no. became in the NFL. He was he completely changed his body and changed his game when he got in the NFL. And I don't I don't know if Kennedy Brooks has that ability to change his body because he is he does f- feel very slender at the running back position. He feels like he's a small frame guy, but yeah, it doesn't have like the you know Darren Sproles type speed or you know the smaller running backs would have, but yeah. Uh, let me ask you about another OU guy. 
you think what about Ronnie Perkins? Do you think that uh, I, I see I have seen him in the like third round in some mock drafts? I've seen him in the first, like just in the last week. I've seen him in the first, second, and third. I think he's probably a second round guy if I had to bet. Uh, but you know, again, like like Creed Humphrey, I think um, it becomes a situation of preference. Maybe if somebody decides to pull the trigger, I think he's probably. I mean, when you talk edge rusher again in this draft, there's not a there's not a Chase Young, right? Like there's just. I, I don't see that guy at least. Uh, I don't I don't see it either. So I mean, even with uh, you know the guys that are going to go in the first round, like Quiddy Pay at Michigan, I just don't think there's a massive gap between like guy one and guy six, seven. I mean, further down the list. So honestly, I think it's just a preference thing, and and um, a team is just going to have to you know evaluate him as a guy that they see fitting what they do better than maybe the other guys. But I, I thought that, you know, back when Oklahoma beat Florida in the bowl game and, you know, those weeks that followed where we're all kind of like figuring out who's going to stay and who's going to go, I thought at that point that people were going to be surprised with Ronnie Perkins' stock if he decided to leave and how it was going to go up. Because I think as soon as, as teams started really evaluating pass rushers, because he didn't play all year, I, I think maybe he was slept on a little bit. And as teams started watching him actually play and started started the evaluation on him, uh, I think I think there are more teams that probably like him than maybe we're aware of at this point. Yeah, I, I think my biggest question with him at the next level is he's where do you play him? Because I, I think with this size, I think he's probably going to be a stand up guy on the edge. I mean, is you think he's big enough in the NFL to play in a three-point stance and come off of the edge like that? I mean, he's got to. I I feel like he's going to end up being a stand-up edge rusher. Yeah, it's the the crazy thing is he, his size measurements six three two fifty. I mean, that's what that's what Tank Lawrence is. Yeah, and Tank Tank plays in. The, he he doesn't stand up ever, right? Right. Like yeah. He's yeah. Always, he's, uh, yeah. Um, I I think. Well, and I say that Tank, I think coming out of Boise State was that. I think he's closer to probably 270 now, uh, which I mean, Perkins is going to get bigger if he yeah, is Yeah, 20 drafted. pounds is a lot to put on, though. Yeah, but he's only, what, 21? Yeah. Um, I mean, the first guy that I, because I, I, I was just, I needed some reference to see if 6'3", like kind of where he stands yeah. size-wise in the NFL. I mean, Chandler Jones is 6'5", 265, 270, yeah. and he's playing, he's standing up. And yeah. I mean, think he, about he like could Jay, pl- he could play hand down though. I, you know, I think he, I think he's probably talented enough yeah. for sure. Um, I mean, uh, yeah. Like TJ know. Watts, uh, he's probably close. He's probably close to what, what is TJ Watts? Is, I, I think I he's guess. like two, he's probably 250, I would guess. Yeah, 6'4, 250. But he's a but you see him on the field and he stands out. He's like a slender. He looks like a slender yeah. edge rusher. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't like Perkins. I think looks heavier than T.J. Watt. He does. Yeah, that's that's why I was a little surprised because I've watched Perkins play for the last couple of years at OU and I'm like, this dude looks like a bulky, like yeah. big dude coming off the edge. And he and he was at OU, 
especially if, compared to the other guys in the front seven and the other edge rushers we had seen, like, I mean, compared to guys like Oboe or Eric yeah. Stryker and the guys like that, I mean, he's way bigger, bigger frame, way all, all that stuff. But when you start comparing him to other NFL edge rushers, he's, you can, he is a little bit smaller. Yeah. He's a, he's a little bit of a tweener maybe. I mean, as far as like, does he have the speed to be a stand-up guy versus the size to be a? I mean, I think he, I think he can do either, honestly. But I can see, I can positive. see where that argument would come as far as like maybe thinking he's right in between the two. Yeah, which I, I guess it just depends on the like, like you said, it depends on the team, and do they want somebody that can do one thing really well, or they want somebody that could potentially be versatile? Yeah. Um, yeah, I was looking at another guy, um, the guy that plays opposite TJ Watt actually. Cause I was thinking like Bud Dupree looks Bud Dupree, heavy. Yeah. Uh, Bud he Dupree does. is six, four, two seventy. Yeah. And he stands up. I mean, these, I, 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 I don't know. I feel like at least for me, I'll speak for myself. I kind of got this like idea in my head that these edge rushers were smaller than they are, but they're, I mean, they're a lot of them are 260, 270 big frame guys. Standing yeah. up and coming off the edge. Well, and again, I like he's twenty one years old. I, I think that he could, yeah, he can absolutely. He's going to he's going to add weight. I think he's gonna have to. Yeah. Well, I, naturally, I, I you know you're everybody's That's natural true. body from twenty one yeah. to like twenty four, twenty five, twenty six. I mean, you naturally get bigger. So yeah, uh, I guess there's a there there is a difference too between being a college student and you know having the access to what they have and you know. Being a millionaire professional athlete. Right, that right. That's why I say him him being 6'3", 250 now and looking at, like, Demarcus Lawrence, who's now playing at 265, like, I, I don't think 15 pounds is anything. Yeah, probably For, not, for yeah. Perkins to, to eventually like over, put on. Uh, yeah, you're probably right. Over a couple of years, he could probably put it on there. I, I, I love the physicality and the motor. and I think, I, I I think mean, he's a great player, yeah. I think in comparison to a lot of the other edge rushers in this draft, I, I, I feel like he pops more. Like, you just watch Ronnie Perkins' games, and I just feel like there are more standout situations with him than a lot of these guys. Yeah, I mean, we saw, I mean, we mentioned it with Ron, Ron J. Stevenson a minute ago. You talk about Ronnie Perkins popping on film. I mean, he came back. And that OU defense completely changed. Yeah. I mean, he made an immediate impact for that defense and took them to another level that they just were not at before he was there. And he popped every game. He popped. There was what? I, I would say consistently two guys on that defense, for me at least, that popped off tape. It was him and Isaiah Thomas. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There a, yeah. There was the other. I, I, I Benito. Can't remember. I was, yeah, yeah. Benito also, but. I, yeah, I, I, Benito I, was probably just more consistent than like I I I'm with you. I, I yeah, you're right. Isaiah Thomas and Ronnie Perkins, I feel like just have these flashes. Yeah, it, Perkins did it last year. Yeah, it's not like he, it was just this like from the from game one that he was on that field, and maybe it was just because we've watched so much OU football and they just had a des like a drought year long years long drought of not having elite level guys on right. the edges that. Ronnie Perkins comes in and hell, maybe he's only like a really good player or a pretty good player. And it's just like, Oh my God, he's amazing. Yeah. As soon as he got there, like it's every snap I'm watching 
number seven lineup just because yeah. he's he yeah. He's yeah. good. I, I liked him a lot. I thought he was really good. I, I think feel he's, like, if I had to bet, I think he's a second round guy. Uh, yeah, I think so. But, uh, but because, yeah, I, like, edge guys are going to go fast. So, I, like a fit to me, uh, for him, like Baltimore just seems like a perfect fit for Ronnie Perkins. Yeah. No. Who are they? Yeah, I'm trying to think of their edge. Their edge. Their edge rushers are getting a little old. I know Matthew Judon is. By the way, Judon is six three two sixty. Yeah, I mean that's that's. I think that's obtainable for Perkins. Yeah, I think two sixty is probably attainable. That's probably yeah. a good comp too, Judon. Yeah, I don't remember him in college, um, but I mean he's exclusively a stand up guy in Baltimore. Yeah, I I I don't remember him in college either. He played at Grand Valley State. Okay, well then, uh, there you so, go. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think anybody remembers him. Um, who's the, who's the Ravens' other guy? He was um he was he used to be the the DN for the uh, Jags. I'm I'm forgetting his name. Ngakwe? Yes, Ngakwe. What is? Yeah. He's he doesn't stand up though. He's typically he's typically three. You know. Yeah. Well, he does for them. He does stand up for them. Yeah. Okay. I th- I think they kind of mix it up a little bit though. Yeah. Uh, he's, so he's 6'2", 246. Yeah, he's good. I mean, I don't know. I think that, yeah, I mean, as we're having this conversation, you know, it's kind of be, you know, kind of pointing out or figuring out that if you're going to be a stand-up edge rusher in the NFL, there's a lot of ways you could go about it. Yeah. Because we see guys that are 270 that are really good, like Chandler Jones, and we see guys like, um, and Gawkway, that are 245 or whatever and really good. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, I think a lot of it is just fit and talent evaluation uh, because, you know, to, to, for me to say, like, at, at the edge rush position, like, I don't know that Quiddy Pay, who's probably, I think most people evaluate him as the best edge rush guy available in this draft. Like, I couldn't tell you right now today that I I absolutely believe that he will have a better NFL career than Ronnie Perkins, right? Like, I feel like most of the time in most drafts, the guys that are maybe the best at their positions, like you, like, like Quinnen Williams, I, I keep using this example. Devin White's another one. When Devin White came out, I would have guaranteed you that he was going to be the best linebacker in that draft. Like he was going to have the best career. And I wouldn't have even thought twice about it. Same thing with Quinton Williams. I loved Quinton Williams. Um, Roquan Smith, I think, was in that category. Like, I thought Roquan Smith was was just incredible. Uh, yeah. And I would have said, you know, he's he's better than everybody else. At this Chase position... Chase Young last year, yeah. Yeah, Chase Young last year. Uh, Miles Garrett, his year. Uh, at, at that position this year, I, I just... The number one guy to me isn't a, a surefire guarantee better than... You know, even all the way down to like five or six. Yeah. I got one here for you. Pick 49, Ronnie Perkins to the Cardinals. Oh, there you go. Stand up like that. That immediately puts him in a great situation if he can line up behind J.J. Watt every play. Yeah. Because there's probably no reason to put Chandler Jones and Watt on the same side very often. Right. It allows, I mean, that would... I mean, if Ronnie Perkins translates to the NFL, 
and you know flashes like he did in college and is able to quickly adapt. I mean, that's just one more piece to making Arizona a contender. Yeah. Well, speaking of Arizona, I mean, there's a there's another guy, uh, Hassan Reddick. What does the future yeah. look like for him? He is just a, another example. He had like 14 sacks in one game last year, right? <laughs> yeah. He's uh, 6'1", 235. Yeah, he's small. He was – I feel like, though, he's kind of a hybrid, though. Yeah, a little bit. With the safety, like, yeah. it plays up tight. But, yeah, I mean, I I think that would, Arizona would be a great fit for Perkins. And at 49, I don't think that that's completely inconceivable to say that he's – he, 40, I think 49, it's conceivable that he's available, and I think that's great value if you get him there. Uh, I'll tell you another guy that I think, uh, or another team for Perkins, that, that makes sense uh, schematically and kind of based on what they already have, the Packers. Yeah. I, I think it'll be a little bit tougher for him to get on the field right away with Green Bay. Well, for Bay. sure, yeah. But, but, if, but yeah, I mean, he, if he rotates out, in and out with the Smith guys on the edge yeah. or um, may, yeah. Yeah. Maybe the, yeah, I don't, I don't know if actually, I don't know if Preston and both Darius Smith are going to still on the roster next year. I don't know what their contract yeah, situations either, are like, but, but yeah. Um, I think Perkins is one of those guys that if you're a good team and you can get him at the end of the first round or the, like middle of the second, end of the yeah. second, like I would jump on him absolutely because he could just be a luxury guy. Cause I, we, I mean, we both know he's good. Yeah. So as long as he can, Adapt to playing in the NFL. I think he'll be. I think he'll be a really great pickup. Yeah, to me, the the best fit though is is Baltimore. I just it, it just seems like a the Baltimore Sooners, right? I mean, they already have yeah. a bunch of Sooners anyway. And I just one, yeah. when you look at what they have, kind of at that position already, like Ronnie Perkins, just seems like he would fit in seamlessly. Yeah. Hell, I mean, that's. I guess that's a uh, a perk of being a really good player. There's a lot of teams, that, especially as an edge rusher. It's not many teams that you wouldn't fit on. Yeah. Have you done any of the PFF draft simulators? Uh, I, I done one, and it wasn't. It was a. What team did I you did you do a, Texans? No, nah, I was being a jackass. I did the okay. uh, Jaguars, and I only drafted quarterbacks. Every oh, pick. Nice. <laughs> um, no, I haven't done a, a legitimate one. I would do the Texans, but um. I don't feel like doing trades and they don't have a first round yeah. pick. I'm not a Texas fan anyway. What do I care? I hope they burn down. Yeah. I hope they're terrible. Are there uh are there any any players like day three guys that you like that stand out to you? Um honestly, I'd ha- I I not right now. I need to do I'd have to do a little bit more digging, a little bit more uh watching some watching some tape because it's just I'm still so caught up right now on those quarterbacks that yeah. there's not a guy right now day three. Like, yeah, at the end of the draft, I don't, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of, I think it's kind of tough for me to right now really evaluate who even even where guys are because, like you said, while it's not day three, Ronnie Perkins is within a week has moved three rounds in various mock drafts. Yeah, I think there's just so much movement right now with this draft class. Yeah. Well, and again, there's just the separation, you know, it's, it's, uh, because of the fact that there are so many guys that didn't even play last year that are being evaluated. Um, I, there's just not this like separation from elite guys at the top of the draft to like the guys you're taking on day two. And then even from the day two guys to me, 
to, you know, the day three guys. Like it just, it's very deep. And there's to me, not just those solidified guarantees at the top to where I think it makes it more fluid than, than we've ever seen it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, who knows? I mean, there could be a six round pick. Yeah. Like this is, there could easily be a six round pick this year that ends up being like a pro bowl caliber player within like two years or something. I think, yeah, this is a a tough, tough draft. Like the best example of this, you mentioned it earlier, the Cowboys at 10, like what are the Cowboys at 10 going to do? Cause I would tell you this, they were so bad defensively last year, halfway through the season, they were on pace to be the worst defense in NFL history. They need defensive help everywhere, but at 10, there's not a single guy available in this draft that I would say guarantees to help their defense. So, like, I'm not saying there aren't good defensive players, but there's not the guy that you can guarantee is going to step in and immediately and make a giant impact. So, like, I don't rule out the fact that they could go offensive tackle. They could go Kyle Pitts if he's available there. I, I don't think the, I mean, there, there are some corners in the first that I really like with uh, Caleb Farley and, and Patrick Sertan. Um, I don't know that there's a safety that I like at 10, but... You know, safety is something that has to be addressed in this draft. Uh, I, I do think the safety class is pretty deep. Uh, so, you know, again, I, I don't think it's super urgent to get one immediately. Um, you know, I, I think, I told you, I think their biggest need is interior defensive line help. And I, I mean, there's not a guy there at 10. There's not a guy at 10 that I think is, I mean, a Christian Barmore's probably, I wouldn't say probably, I th- he's, He's my, at this point, highest rated interior defensive lineman. But look, I like Davion Nixon a lot too. And I I don't know, he's probably my number two. And there are mock drafts that have him going in the third round for crying out loud. Yeah. I mean, if if there's a, again, I mean, who knows if this guy's even a day three pick because, I mean, it's kind of hard to evaluate. I think that uh, I do like Grimes, uh, Trevin Grimes, uh, Florida, Trayvon Grimes. Um, but again, I mean, who, who knows if he's a day three guy, he could jump up. I mean, he'll be a day three guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I do like if, if sure. we're picking day three guys, I yeah. think that he has good potential as a day three guy. Yeah. I was, uh, again, you can get a pretty good idea of like draft rankings and stuff doing that PFF simulator. But mm-hmm. like I was doing mock drafts last night and in the seventh round, he was available. Um, guys like TJ Vasher from, from tech, the six, six receiver is available in the seventh, which I think it would be a steal, uh, to get a guy like that, that late. Um, Grimes, Grimes was the, uh, he was kind of just the, let's throw deep to him guy in the Florida offense, right? Yeah. Okay. So, but I think with what we've seen from DK Metcalf, maybe we, you know, I'm, I'm putting a le- a little bit less stock into guys in college, just being that guy. Yeah. But if he's, I mean, if you can get a six, four guy that's 215 pounds and runs a four, four. I think that's probably a good day three get. Yeah. Um, I heard a comp on him to Kenny stills. Is Kenny stills that big. I don't think Kenny stills is that big, but I think in terms of just like the role that the, yeah, yeah. the role that, that he played or uh, yeah. I think the other one I heard was, uh, uh, the Smith kid from Ohio state a couple years ago. Traquan, Traquan Smith. No, um, the one the Jets took really high. Oh, um, I can't remember. 
I'm like blanking. I think he played for Dallas last year, actually. Devin Smith. Devin. Okay. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Well, that's probably not a good comp. I think Traquan might be a better, yeah, <laughs> a, a more friendly comp to uh, if you're you know trying to talk yourself into drafting Grimes. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I to me he just he's way bigger than those guys and more. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how accurate those those comps are. I'm just sharing what I've seen over the last right. week. But, uh, yeah, look, there are uh, there are receivers and running backs that are going to be available on day three that were like, what? That guy's still yeah. available? That's every year but, at this point. But honestly, like, I think, you know, I think there are, there are linebackers and safeties I like on day three that I think will still be available for Dallas that late, so... And I think, you know, edge guys, there are a bunch of edge guys that I think are, are day three picks that if you don't decide to to take that early, that you could still pick up. And, I mean, not that they're guarantees, but, you know, there's, again, there's not a Chase Young, in my opinion, in this draft. There's not a Quinn and Williams. There's just not those those guys on the defensive line that I feel like are are just guaranteed successes at the next level. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, I I wonder too, like, I wonder if there would have been a normal college season, if that would have changed. I wonder if there's, there's not that elite guy because. And a combine. And a combine, yeah. Where you kind of see what these guys look like athletically next to each other. Yeah, I mean, I don't, man, you know, but I don't actually. I don't think it would matter. I don't think it would matter if they played a full season because if if you think about guys like Chase Young, yeah, Chase Young played. He didn't even play. He he opted out, right? No, it was, it was Nick Bosa that opted out. Yeah, Nick Bosa the year before. But even then, Nick Bosa, Chase Young, those were all dudes that before the season even started, right? Everybody knew that they were elite level talent that was going to go in the top five, right? So, yeah, I mean, I guess there could have been a stand up guy that just popped out of nowhere in one year, but probably not. Yeah. Just seems like, yeah, I guess this is just a draft where outside of the quarterback position, you're not getting that uh, top-level elite talent at the top of the draft. Uh, well, there was a – I saw this. This it's, this has been like a month ago maybe, so I, I don't – I'd have to find it. But there was an article about a mock draft where – and I can't remember the number, but it was a pretty decent number, more than five for sure um, – a certain number of guys projected to go in the first round didn't even play last season. And then there was a secondary number of the amount of guys that like played less than six games last season in the well, first yeah, round. I mean, and it was like every big 10, every big 10 and Pac-12 player it, it, falls into that yeah, second one. Exactly. Like Sewell didn't play last year. Jamar um, Chase didn't play. Right. Gregory Rousseau out of Miami didn't play. Yeah. Trey Lance, play, uh, Trey Lance played one game. Right. So, yeah, I think that that also, you know, plays a big role in it. And look, we talk about this every year. The the draft evaluation process when football's not happening, like the end of the season to the draft process, things change drastically every single year. And and so basically you're you're doing that from the end of the previous season to this point because there's not a ton of football. The crazy thing is this is how Al Davis drafted every year. <laughs> Three couple college games, no workouts. I guess he only drafted on workouts exclusively. Who is the Ra- who who is the typical Raiders pick in this first round? 
Oh, who's the fastest receiver available? Uh, probably Devontae Smith, right? Or Waddle, maybe? Is Waddle they faster would... than Smith? I think he is. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I think he is. Okay, well, I, okay, well, last year was a perfect example. I mean, Mark Davis is to continue on the tradition. Who the hell expected them to take um, rugs before Judy or yeah. CeeDee Lamb? Yeah. Agreed. So they would probably take Waddle before Chase or Devontae Smith. I've seen, and and I, I know Waddle's probably going before Smith in most mock drafts right now, but... Yeah, yeah, it would be the, whatever the fastest receiver was. It would be the, the Darius Hayward Bay pick. Yeah. Yeah. Now, they uh, probably take Tylen Wallace after in the in the top fifteen after seeing his forty time. Don't sleep on Tylen Wallace. I'm telling you, I'm not. I, I look. <laughs> I trust me. I've watched a lot of Tylen Wallace. I'm. I think he's a very good player. I think that he's going to have an impact on a team. But yeah. The Raiders would take him. Pro- the Raiders would be able to get him in the second round or the third round, and just still take him at fifteen. Yeah. Mel Kiper had his positional rankings uh, last week, and Tylen Wallace wasn't listed in his top ten. Well, that was before he ran the forty, I guess. Right. And then I think Chuba Hubbard was his number nine running back. Man, that but. that sucks, man. It's it's frustrating. That's. To come, I mean, I get why. I mean, kudos to Chuba for coming back and wanting to try and win a, a big tw- the Big Twelve before he left. But man, that's yeah, that's one of those situations where you know you take you took the L coming back. Yeah, it's tough because there's no guarantees ever, and you know just, there are guys that certainly come back and help their stock. There are guys that have Chuba seasons. I just always felt like at that position. Yeah, the running back. There's nothing you can do to help it, your stock. T- if you, yeah. yeah, if you're projected to go second round as a running back, and at this point, you kind of just need to jump on it. Absolutely. Yeah, there, I mean, there's not a guarantee there will be a running back taken in the first round of this draft. Yeah, and I, and I, if it is, it's going to be Etn. Yeah, and it'll be late. Yep. I mean the the Clyde Edwards-Alaire situation, last pick of the draft, and or the first round, and yeah, and then who. Uh, is Leonard Fournette going to be the last running back ever taken in the top five? No, I, there will be there will be another guy that. It's Saquon Barkley actually is to the last one. Oh, he went too. Yeah, you're right. He went too. No, there will be other guys. Okay. There's just not I been. I mean, when you look at at uh, like Saquon Barkley, for example, he was so he dynamic, checked though, every like, box. Right? It's it's yeah. size. It's speed. It's explosiveness. It's run between the tackles. It's catch the ball out of the backfield. Like there wasn't but, a box but, that he didn't check. So, but here's the thing, though. You're right. Like I, I was in the camp in that draft where I was saying, look, if somebody took Saquon one over Baker, I don't think that would be those the dumbest pick ever. Just because I was so high on Saquon. Yeah. Obviously, you got to take the quarterback. But Saquon was I to me like comes every generation yeah. couple maybe once or twice yeah. but he's already having issues he's already missed so much time due to injury I, I, right i mean i just don't know if you're even at that point where even if you have a saquon talent guy, level guy 
just knowing the shelf life of a running back, that it's justifiable to take him in the top five because you're a bad team. Yeah. If you're picking in the top five to take a chance on a running back who's not even probably not even going to be there by the time you're actually good. Yeah, I, it'll happen again. There's just going to be a guy that's too complete for teams to pass on. Yeah. Uh, you know, Zeke Elliott was in that same group. Like, he was just, he checked every box. Size, he's, speed, he, he, power. He's, he worked out. He was worth it. Yeah. But you could also argue that they got lucky because they got the quarterback in the third round. Yeah. Well, and look, Saquon, it's not like the, ta- like, it's an injury issue. It's not It's not like they missed well, that, from a talent no, no, standpoint. No. Right, but that's my point, yeah. though, is... Even if you nail the talent aspect, that position is just so physical and yeah. just so like fickle with, you know, guys being healthy or being available. Yeah, that I think it's tough to justify, even if they're amazing, even if they're of a, a all pro level talent. Who knows? I mean, they're one hit away from not being there for the next season, and that's for every position, yeah. but. Running backs just, I mean, it's easy to get a running back at this point in the NFL. Yeah, it's easy to get a receiver too, though. Yeah, yeah. And boy, you don't see a lot of receivers going in the top five anymore. Yeah. I mean, there there, there might be three in the top 10 this year. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. There's there's always going to be the elite level guys that are, are going to be the exception to the rule. So, yeah. There will be another Saquon that we're just... Leonard Fournette should not have been the exception. We'll just say that. No, no, Leonard Fournette. I, I liked him coming out, but yeah. I, I love Yeah, I mean, I, I loved him in college because he was just fun oh, to watch. Oh, absolutely. But, but yeah, he wasn't... Uh, play. I never... I didn't think he was the same level prospect that, like, Zeke and Saquon were. Yeah, I didn't either. Zeke and Saquon, to me, were both can't-miss running backs. Like, again, injury issue aside, like, just the the ability level they were going like i i no part of me ever thought they wouldn't succeed in the nfl i mean it's it's wild to me that uh leonard fournette went before christian mccaffrey and it was crazy to me at the time were they in the same draft yeah christian mccaffrey went eight because dalvin cook was in that draft Yes, and, I uh, so. and uh, Alvin Kamara was in that draft. Mm, Kamara might have been next year. I've got it pulled up right now. Let me uh, scroll down to the running backs. Yeah, Kamara running went like were, the third round, I think. Yeah, Kamara, Joe, uh, Joe Mixon. Mixon in Kareem that draft, yeah. And uh, Leonard Fournette was taken fourth. Yeah. So that, that that was also a big issue. Like I, I didn't think that Fournette was that guy either. But then in comparison to the group that he was coming in with, it was just like, why Why would you do that? I, like well, in Saquon's year, there wasn't even another guy that I think you could question right. being a first-round running back. I, 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 The McCaffrey thing is crazy to me that he went before McCaffrey. I thought McCaffrey should have won the Heisman going into that yeah. after that season. I thought he was by far the best. I, don't even, I might even say he was the best player in college football uh, coming out. Joe Mixon, I think his off-the-field stuff is the only reason he didn't go higher than 48. Agreed. Um, Kamara, Kamara going in the third round, I think that's pretty fair right. because he just wasn't utilized at Tennessee properly. Yeah. I thought Dalvin Cook was was he the was best great. running back yeah. in that class. Um, and then, 
McCaffrey, I thought was interesting. I, I didn't know. My issue was I didn't know how he was going to be utilized in the NFL. Like, was he going to be used as like a third down back? Was he, were, was somebody going to try and make him like a between the tackle type back? I kind of anticipated somebody was going to use him in a Reggie Bush type way. And so I didn't really know how high he would go. And yeah, he's one of those just interesting studies because, you know, he kind of came into the league right in this transition period where you just didn't really know exactly what teams were going to do with him. Yeah. Looking at these running backs, if they redrafted Fournette, probably he's a fifth round guy. I mean, he's, he's, he's getting drafted behind Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, Alvin Kamara, Kareem Hunt. Yeah. I I would take him behind James Conner. I don't think that James Conner is an elite is great by any means, but I think he's probably better than Leonard Fournette. He's going behind Tariq Cohen. He's going behind yeah. Marlon Mack. I think that you Aaron Jones was in that draft. Aaron Jones wow. went in the fifth round of that pick of that draft. Today, he, um, yeah, he's going over Fournette. Yeah, I you could probably make an argument that he's going behind Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams. The uh, Packers running back. Jamal Williams? Did I say Jamal Adams? Yeah, yeah. I was like... Yeah. I mean, he's definitely going behind Jamal Adams, too. But, yeah, uh, yeah Jamal Williams. Yeah. I, I would take Fournette there. But, yeah. I, I, I yeah. liked Fournette. I thought he was... I had him as the number two guy in that class. Again, not... Which is crazy. Behind but Cook, I mean, but with, with the reasoning of everything I just told you about McCaffrey. Right. But, yeah, I mean... I had I love for like I said I love Fournette going yeah. to that draft like he's a guy that ran a his forty time was like insane huge body physical um, I guess we you know we just everybody everybody just did not evaluate his agility accurately because no. he cannot I mean he's yeah. very stiff he yes I, he looks better now than he ever has yeah playoff Lenny playoff Lenny Super Bowl Lenny yeah Lombardi Lenny. Yeah. Yeah. Jacksonville Lenny was basically class, like running a straight line and hope there's a path. Right. And when Blake Bortles is your quarterback, <laughs> it's not, uh, yeah. probably not going to. And, and you're facing eight in the box. Yeah. Uh, this, man, this running back class is really good. It was loaded, though. man. Yeah. I like, speaking of this running back class, the guy that I think is a sleeper is Javante Williams out of North Carolina. Oh, well. I mean, statistically, how can he be a sleeper? Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, but I agree. He, I mean, nobody's talking about nobody's him. Nobody's talking I, about I, him. And yeah, I, it's funny because at the beginning of the year, I actually liked Michael Carter, the other Carolina running back, better. And as the year, like Javante Williams, just really, really impressive. I was like, yep, yeah, I'm wrong. That, uh, why do they keep playing this other guy? Michael Carter needs more touches. He's really good. They're good, man. Mac Brown's done a good job there. Like immediately, he just can recruit, like, man. He can recruit. Yeah. The was it the Howell? Is that the quarterback's name? Yeah, Sam Howell. Yeah, probably like a first round yeah. pick next year if he doesn't just yeah. crap the bed next he's, season. Yeah, he's gonna come into the season as one of the Heisman favorites. Yeah, yeah, he's a uh, Mac's done a good job. And meanwhile, Texas is. Uh, Things could be going better in Austin. Yeah. Let's say that. Yeah. All right, man. Uh, it was fun. We will, uh, obviously, we've still got a ways until the NFL draft, so we'll uh, we'll continue to have these conversations. But I'm glad that we uh, finally dipped the toes in. Yeah. 
yeah, I'm gonna keep digging in and uh, I'm gonna do some more more research and uh, watch a little bit more game tape other than just the there quarterbacks. Go. I'm gonna have to watch more Kellen Mond. I need to see if Chris Sims sees anything because I haven't seen it. I can tell you, I, I'm not going not to watch there. more Kellen Mond because I'm I'm not curious uh, about what Chris Sims sees because I I've I've seen enough to know that he's not better than Justin Fields. Yeah, well, yeah, yes, yes, I know that, but I need to see if is like where's even being in the fourth quarterback. Where's the argument? I'm, so I'm gonna, uh, yeah, I'm gonna watch like I'm gonna watch about two and a half minutes of tape and be like, there's no way. Here's a here's a question for you: Kellen Mond or Kyle Trask? I I take Kyle Trask. Kyle Trask at least got better. There was yeah. there was a noticeable improvement from Kyle's game to his last game. And I think that Kyle Trask, I think Kyle Trask's biggest knock is he's just, he's not athletic. He's a statue in the pocket and he doesn't have like elite level arm strength, but I still think he like, I I think he is, has good instincts. I think that he throws guys open fairly well. He throws a catchable ball. Like, I think that there are a lot more positives for Kyle Trask and Kellen Mond. Yeah. Kellen Mond just kind of fits I think the the schemes Mold, yeah. of of what we're seeing in the NFL better right now with um, the versatility, the athletic ability. Uh, but yeah, if you're going to be a statue, you've got to have like Aaron Rodgers level like arm talent, yeah. and Kyle Trask doesn't have that. And it, it's a bad comparison because Aaron Rodgers is not a statue; he's very very agile. Yeah. So like yeah, Ke- again, I, I said this earlier. Kellen Mond to me is just a significantly less talented version of Jalen Hurts. Yeah, which in fine. Who, who knows where Jalen Hurts? I mean, who knows? Yeah, I, I, again, I think Jalen can be a starter in the NFL. I just never see him being great, elite. like Pro yeah. Bowl level. Yeah. yeah, he can be. I don't either. He can be serviceable, but yeah. Uh, it, yeah. Well, he's going to have to be this year, I guess, unless Philly trades into three or four and takes a quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. Uh, we will catch up again next week. Um, if we have a, a draft on Friday, I'll holler at you. But uh, always fun. All right. Fingers crossed for uh, Watson traded. We got one down. Let's get him. Let's, let's empty house. There you go. Aaron Davis joining me on the Colby Daniels podcast. Thanks to Aaron Davis for joining me on the Colby Daniels podcast presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products, including Kratom, CBD, and Delta 8. If you're unfamiliar with any of these products, don't hesitate to give them a call. Ask questions. It's all about educating yourself on how these products can benefit you. 405-458-9699 is the number. Not to mention we're saving you 15% off your online order at abotanicalcompany.com. Use the discount code COLBYSHOW. Again, abotanicalcompany.com, discount code COLBYSHOW for 15% off your online order. And again, they have a drive through window, so it's very efficient, easy, and safe pickup at Artisan Botanicals. Everybody have a great day, stay safe, and I'll see you tomorrow. Podcast is over.